Hello and welcome to 81 All Out. This is your host, Siddhartha Vaidyanathan, and I would like to thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast. We are a crowdfunded endeavor, and you can support us at coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash 81 All Out to keep the show going. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the 81 All Out podcast. This is Siddhartha Vaidyanathan at Sidvi on Twitter. And I'm joined by uh, three regulars today uh, to talk about uh, the second test of the India-England series. The second of the two tests that finished in um, Chennai. The series now standing at uh, one all uh, as the teams prepare for the pink ball test in Ahmedabad starting in a few days. So, uh, joining me today, we have uh, Ashoka, Mahesh, and Kartikeya, all the regulars who join for the reviews. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hello. Hello, Ashoka. So, uh, given that you're here, uh, you want to uh, provide your key insights about uh, what just happened on an absolute raging, turning minefield of a shocking pitch. I mean, remember that we had a pod before this where we were talking about uh, 2012 series where England won. And in that, uh, we were mentioning that Tony was cribbing that toss shouldn't matter. Finally, eight years later or nine years later, his wish was fulfilled. I think uh, we got a pitch where toss is immaterial. Uh, the, ball, the condition of the pitch was same from ball one till ball n. And, you know, the best team, the team that could play best on such surfaces won. So... I don't know what is this whole thing about uh, English people have uh, aversion to our uh, raging turning pictures and all. Uh, maybe, maybe I mean, uh, yeah, fair enough. I mean, we make enough fun about Clouderson and uh, Broad, right? So, fair enough. But uh, I hope they don't take this all seriously. I mean, come on, man. This is India. It is going to spin. So No, and, and compared to the first test of the series, which, uh, you know, and this uh, and the second test, I mean, uh, I just, uh, I just, you're right. I just felt that the second test had negated the toss much more than the first test, right? Yeah, because if the conditions are same from the first ball till the last ball, I mean, it was spinning the, I mean, the, there were dust coming off the pitch like half an hour into the play and it persisted till the last uh, ball was bowled. So, the conditions are pretty much same. So, toss is immaterial. I mean, if India batted first and they got 300, they shouldn't have, which will come to that later, but... It won't. It wouldn't have mattered much. And if you knew how to play in these pictures and either be batting or bowling, you would win. That's all. So it was a fair pitch by my assessment. Uh, maybe the first first test wasn't that much fair because the first three days, you know, nothing much was happening at all. And uh, all you could do as a bowler was keep control and keep the run flow down and hope the batsmen make mistakes. I think this is a fairer pitch than the first one. So. I don't know what this whining is about. They could have, I, I think England could have been 2-0 had they bowled well. I mean, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, in uh, the same thing, right? We spoke in uh, about that 2012-13 series. I mean, England lost the toss in Mumbai and Calcutta uh, on those pitches. Still went on to win uh, because they bowled so well. And uh, yeah, so Mahesh, uh, let's bring you in here. Uh, I guess uh, 
uh, we can start with the pitch. Uh, too much fuss. Too much. Uh, too too much fuss about too little. Uh, too much fuss is one thing, and uh, okay, I have uh, you know like when someone says it's a beach, it's a sand pit or whatever. That's that, that's one extreme, and that's easy to ignore and dismiss and make fun of. And and Katie has done a terrific job on his blog in in sort of hitting it out of the ground. But the more tricky part is there are people out there who are saying it is not a terrible pitch, uh, but it's still not an ideal. I don't understand that nuanced stance that people have. What are you trying to say? You have the same opinion. You're just hedging yourself. Really, it's either a good pitch or a bad pitch. Even about the first test, even the whole notion that the first pitch was made toss more relevant and all that is is a retrospective take after the match finish. But in in the first day and in the first two days, if in fact most of the commentary around that was also that you know this pitch is not ideal for test cricket. It's too flat. Nothing happening. It's not good for bowlers. And it's not good advertisement for Test cricket, and and you and that's a pattern, right? That's a pattern that you'll see all along. Any pitch which doesn't offer too much to the bowlers in the first two days, even if it has a prospect of having a finish with a result, people tend to sort of judge it too much. I mean, every Test match becomes a, a test for the format. You know, it, it, every Test match is there to prove something for the format. This sort of attitude comes primarily from the so-called Test cricket fans. Like if you are such a big fan of Test cricket, it's okay to go on with one one grand boring test. It's fine. But my point is that pitch they they did complain about the pitch on the first two days, the uh, the first test as well. On the second test, I mean, just a puff of dust. It, I mean, aesthetically speaking, it doesn't look great on the camera. But I mean, like pe- people are sweeping out of that puff of dust. You know, ball balls pitching out of that uh, in that area and uh, sweep quite well. And that is as good an indication of the fact that it is a very very batable wicket. What is not an ideal wicket? Like, what is an ideal wicket if that's the case? No, you know, Mahesh. So, to to add to your point, the nature of a pitch, whether it's good or bad, is only retrospective, right? We only ascribe the quality to the pitch only after seeing the results. If that is the only way of ascribing a quality to a pitch, then it's almost subjective. As long as we are not in that Sabaina Park '98 territory where it was legitly, legitimately dangerous for batsmen or I mean to continue play. and it was causing bodily harm to players and both teams agree that that should not be the case unless that is the case uh, i think the any good pitch please continue playing and uh, please keep quiet and start watching the game please don't don't do this punditry uh, unnecessary yeah but uh, the one point though which i kartikeya may want to come into it uh, it is not uh, always retrospective right uh, kartikeya you do have uh, you have mentioned how control percentages can Uh, give us an indication of the pitch even while the match is you know in progress yeah that's true in both the test matches england's spinners have been awful and india's spinners have been good i mean let's face it england have basically one decent spinner you know jack leach is a fairly decent experienced spinner he's got he's played 90 first class matches now he's got 300 plus first class wickets you know he can he's a steady spinner he can hold a line and length and you know he 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 can basically on a he he'll he'll give have respectable returns in helpful conditions but you know both the off spinners you know moin probably because he's coming back from covid and he hasn't had any match practice really in the first innings you know both the off spinners bess and uh in this test match moin they they had just really awful control of length there were just too many easy 
boundaries for the indian batsman you know you know root cannot really do anything about that he cannot he is no control in the field you know so it's like when you when you are pulling that many bad balls out of one batting lineup on any pitch you know the batting side is going to have to be really unlucky for like if all their batsmen get get the, the terrible uh, like unplayable ball like someone is going to survive long enough to score runs because there are, there are so many scoring opportunities and you can say for instance you know that england are playing this sweep and this that and uh, you know they have no choice but they're not getting anything to hit you know that and you know they're trying to come down the wicket and what not and what have you and it's very hard to do that because you know ashwin's control of length is just magnificent you know so in 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 the first test match they did get lucky in the sense that they got like basically one free day of batting where nothing was happening off the wicket at all for anybody uh, and that was pretty much their margin of victory in the first first test match uh in in the second it was basically a innings win give or take like 10 15 runs so you all this is set up for the fact that uh, you know uh, rohit sharma got, had basically the easiest 100 that anyone has ever scored right with this kind of bowling this one time i want to i want to <laughs> side with rohit sharma i thought he should be the man of the match he should have been the man of the match <laughs> because as karthik has said uh, a 320 or whatever india scored eventually proved enough <laughs> so yeah but i mean see rohit sharma i think he played he played that half century scored in australia i think it was at sydney if i'm not wrong was better you know i mean the the attack was better the the wicket was doing more the wicket was so that attack was using that wicket way better than this attack is using this wicket you know and he is batted so much better elsewhere this was one of his less I mean, this was not a challenge for him. This didn't really stretch him. See, no, Tarikya, that's where you miss out on context. India were behind in the series. Their World Champ Test Championship was on the line. So, <laughs> what? Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. It, this was the <laughs> test that mattered, man. Yeah, I know. It's, what, yeah. what? So I mean, it's not like what the ball is. What? So they add some extra inches to the ball, or what? On the seam, they don't. No, no. Let us let us bring Mayesh in. He is the yeah. only guy who, who has to speak now. He is like maximum vindicated now. Yeah, I mean, uh, people have been talking about this Rohit Sharma innings quite a bit, and I'm really, really delighted to see that. Uh, even Sachin said it's one of his best innings, and then a lot of people are saying it's one of his best innings, which which is all fine. And I know Karthikeya tends to focus more on the on the quality of the bowling attack, and that's well taken. This like England didn't bowl particularly well. Mohin Ali bowled all over the place. Uh, and the fast bowlers were not effective on this wicket so it was left to essentially jack these to do, to do any damage having said that it was still a tricky pitch to bat on and uh, and in fact he he offered a, he did a very good press conference at the end of the day where he was explaining his sort of batting template going into this test on a wicket like this and it was very revealing of the way he thinks about his cricket right i mean a lot of people tend to give him no credit at all for for his cricketing brain and uh, particularly as a batsman and and kind of dismiss everything that he does as talent or attitude you know it just falls into those two buckets talent being the good thing and attitude being the bad thing uh, but he very clearly explained that you know on this wicket this is what i was expecting and and somebody needed to take initiative to score the uh, runs and and runs mattered a lot on this wicket i mean scoring runs at a good clip because one ball you're going to get where your name is written 
And these are the shots that I had in mind. And uh, I, I tend to play sweep well. And I thought this was a good wicket to you know play the sweep a lot more. And he even explained how the two fielders for the sweep were actually fairly deep. And there was nobody in the circle. So even if he ends up top edging it, which let's say, for instance, he did against uh, Nathan Lyon in the last series in Australia, which was dropped, actually. There was a dolly that was dropped. Um, so he was prepared for you know top edging the sweep and knowing that it will fall in, in no man's land. So there's a lot of very clear clarity of thought that Vikram Rathor, for instance, talked about Chubman Gill. Uh, that was all all there for us to see. And if, if we didn't see it in the batting, he also helped us by spelling it out in the press conference. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a good indication that that a lot of the commentary around Rohit Sharma, the mainstream commentary around Rohit Sharma is so woeful, so pathetic that, uh, that uh, it's not, okay, as a comparison, like his first 100 against West Indies at uh, Bombay, if I'm not wrong, right? That is another match where Ashwin scored 100. He scored 177 from like 83 for five or whatever. And Shane Schillingford was really bowling well at that time. I mean, if we go by brand name, he's not a big brand name. He's no Sakhalin Mustak. But on that day, on that wicket, he was bowling really well. And that was not an easy wicket to bat as well. Uh, so it's not like he's not done this before. It's just that people kind of go with a certain narrative before it changes around. Uh, purely from that perspective, I was really happy that, you know, it kind of got this mainstream wide acceptance that this was a great innings. Uh, but the, to me personally, there was no surprise about it. All right. So, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the bowling itself, though, I mean, we did touch upon the bowling, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on um, this uh, rotation policy that England have been following for, uh, you know, for this particular series, uh, which has got uh, quite a bit of uh, talk around it. Uh, do you think that... Uh, what does this uh, mean to you? I mean, do you think they're taking this series lightly or does it just mean that uh, they're managing their resources well? Do you, do you agree with it? If you see what changes they have made, Anderson was replaced by Broad. So it's okay. Anderson is 38 now. so And he's replaced by a guy who has 500 test wickets. So, okay. Uh, Archer was injured and the guy who replaced him, Ollie Stone, right? Like he bowled really well. I mean, he was one of the few pacers who did Fantastic job, I thought. And uh, and Bess was replaced by Moin Ali. Uh, sure, he's coming from a COVID, uh, you know, um, related illness. and But still, he has 180 test wickets. So, uh, in fact, and he adds batting to their lineup uh, that Bess uh, probably doesn't give. So, I thought they were all fair decisions. I mean, their bowling was not that bad at all compared to the first test. Like, Leech was constant. Best they improved with Moin Ali. And, uh, and Archer and, was injured, which they couldn't help. Of course. Also. Then Ollie Stone did a very good job of covering, uh, you know, uh, Archer's absence. And he bowled really well. And broad is broad. And I thought second innings, Root may have done a small, I mean, a slight mistake by bringing broad on too late. Because when he, when broad did eventually bowl, he really, I think he created two, three chances with Ashwin as well. So, Broad was really good in the second inning. So, so I don't know what this whole thing is and, about. And uh, Ben Fokes uh, was actually very good. He was probably their best player of the match. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, so, I, I think this is not a valid thing that may, they have their own rotational policy to keep their players fresh and, you know, and, you know, all this uh, leave from bubble policy. They are managing a hell of a lot which is kudos to them because that also is an important aspect of the game. 
but having said that they didn't you know lose out on much probably they might have they they might have thought that uh, if anderson was there he could have bought in some reverse swing skills but prod is not that bad man he bowled fantastically in uh, in in the second innings and this is me complimenting broad so i don't know what's wrong with me so <laughs> yeah today you're uh, out of character but yeah, uh, that's totally. perfectly fine uh, so uh, yeah guys uh, kartikeya mahesh any thoughts on this i mean england do play a lot of test cricket this year so and with covid and with the bubbles and everything it's understandable what they're doing uh, and they seem to have a good pool of players to pick from so i mean apart from the spin the spinners of course who haven't had a good test but uh, overall they they seem to be doing the right thing or do you think but of course the other side of the argument is were this an ashes series would they then be doing the same thing or would they be putting out the best 11 for every single test no as you mentioned i think england has the depth and they have like you know very nearly good replacements for pretty much every spot you know there are still some good players who are missing out even after all these rotations so i think from that perspective they well served with their depth but my okay would would they do it if it's ashes i'm absolutely sure they wouldn't uh for two reasons one you know they because the stakes are higher for ashes and two you also don't want to deny the player the chance to play the ashes test just because you think rotation makes sense the only concern i have uh, or only opinion i have on this rotation is that uh it makes a lot of sense for multi format players but i don't think it makes as much sense for test specialists and when there are test specialists who have specifically chosen to play test cricket because i mean they understand the workload and whatever and 17 test stretch over a year might seem big i mean for instance i was looking at the data i think in 83 uh, india played 17 tests if i'm not wrong along with the world cup and and all kinds of other cricket that was going on so it i don't think it's something it's it's, it's a workload that body cannot take and and purely from that perspective i was a little surprised the test players are being asked to go through this and perhaps it's disappointing for them as individuals uh, but beyond that i don't think it has an impact on the cricket as such well i mean india rested rasib jaspreet bumrah for this test match as well right so uh that's india are doing it as well uh i mean I, look there are there are like a few things about this whole selection thing you know one is that uh yeah covid and there's ipl and, and the cumulative uh it's a cumulative stay in the bubbles is just too long and so they are doing this that's one reason uh the other reason is i think you know ed smith has some new age fad fantasies about you know a managing resources or some such you know he'll give it some fancy terminology and stuff like that i don't know like whether that's optimizes the word you're looking yeah, for yeah well, yeah yeah marginal gains or optimization or some such you know something he borrows from like you know industrial processes or something i don't know but whatever whatever that is you know i don't know how much what what that's about but you know i mean it it is a it's a difficult it's a, it's a ad hoc situation i mean the question is whether if there was no covid would they be doing this and i think they wouldn't be doing this you know i think they would be playing uh, the uh, whoever they would they would if 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 they thought bearstow was their best player uh, be, uh, was the one of their best six batsmen they would play him on all four tests if they thought butler was one of their best six batsmen they would play him in all four tests you know if they thought anderson was uh, always one of their best four bowlers then they would play him in all four tests 
you know uh, but you know this covid thing is there so i don't think i don't think there's much we can do about it i, mean, I think they could have handled the moin situation well because you know they've basically thrown him under the bus uh although i think that's just like one word out of place and then it's blown up thanks to our esteemed friend mr won uh, but you know what can you do yeah so uh, that is the situation there uh, so okay let's uh, move on to talk about the man of the match uh, hometown boy who got uh, who missed out on 10 wickets but uh, got uh, his 100 uh, terrific terrific game for ashwin and uh, before the before the series or uh, was it yeah he had done this video right about chepok and about how you know uh, him uh, growing up and uh, looking up to the ground and you know the the kind of uh, affection there was was came through was and was quite evident so to see him do that in the ground and for the second test where there were actually you know spectators in there uh, obviously his family was there and uh, you know his home ground uh, there was something really special about that moment right especially when he got that 100 Yeah, but uh, I was kind of pissed that he didn't take ten wickets. But okay, fine. So those two T two wickets uh, went in Kuldeep uh, Kuldeep Yadav donation fund. So, so <laughs> therefore, therefore it's okay. It's a, <laughs> it's not all a, a loss. But uh, yeah, this was see in these conditions. If 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 it's going to spin from you know the first hour, you already knew that Ashwin is going to be a factor. that 100 was just a icing on the cake and uh, he played really well i thought i mean uh, given you know the nature of the pitch and uh, the situation he, he he really played well and uh, for more than him i think uh, you know credit goes to uh, mr siraj uh, <laughs> that whole thing of uh, siraj and ishant carrying uh, as long as they did and he played really sensibly and he got his 100 so it was very nice moment that siraj moment just one point like it the added value for for that was the spectators right like had that happened in the first test with nobody around the extra drama wouldn't have come in so the crowd played that little part towards that also which was also fun to watch yeah but i have personal tragedies that i am just 300 kilometers away from the ground i mean i really when i was seeing all that i was like shit i should have actually gone uh, but you know i couldn't make it and this is one test i really would have loved to be in the ground to watch because uh, you know all the greatest hits were played uh, we made i mean two of our batsmen made 100 kohli 50 bowlers dominating it would have been a fun atmosphere in the ground for sure okay i like siraj and he's really i like him as a number 11 but calling his batting sensible is stretching it okay <laughs> he's he bats like mohammad ali man he's like you know his footwork is solely there to avoid getting hit by the ball no so actually it was surprising that uh, the stone didn't come on to bowl and uh, they were actually the commentary was saying that you know they are probably bowling the spinners because both of them were on four wickets at that time and they were trying to get the fifth wicket for them but had stone come on uh, siraj might have decided okay forget all this sense and sensibility and all let's just go for it yeah so talking about ashwin and chepok i mean one is what he did in the youtube channel before the chennai test but historically if you look at like every opportunity that he's got to talk about cricket he always talks about his growing up days he even talks fondly about his tennis ball days 
and uh, league cricket. And, and he's always said that I take a lot of pride in playing for Tamil Nadu. And so in that sense, his relationship with Chennai or Chepok is very unique in the sense that he's, he's that rare sort of test cricketer who still comes back to the roots and talks about it with the same sort of humility, which is which has not been the case, at least before this generation. I, I haven't seen Vijay talk about it, but before this generation, for sure, that's not been the case. So it is a very symbiotic relationship. And he's had like, for instance, after the last England, uh, the 2012 England series, when he had a fairly ordinary series with the ball, where recently even Vikram Rathor mentioned that, you know, they were considering dropping him. He had that extraordinary test in, in Australia, against Australia at Chepok to follow up uh, the test where uh, Dhoni also scored the double hundred. So, and, but he didn't have such a good time in the next test against uh, England, the last test of the last series, uh, the five test series with the ball, but he did okay with the bat. Uh, so for him, it's always been important to do well for Tamil Nadu and do well in Chepok. And he, he's mentioned that in many places. Unfortunately, you know, during the peak of his career, he didn't get a lot of tests in Chennai. So this kind of dual test seems to have, you know, made up for some of it. Uh, again, the first test uh, was was quite flat, and he was coming off a very very long tiring Australia series as well, where he was injured. Uh, so even he mentioned that it took him a while to get going. Uh, so I'm really glad that he got the the second gig as well, and uh, and his batting is also coming up quite well after after being uh, not at his prime for a while now. And uh, I mean, in fact, Bharatarun mentions that in uh, in the chat that he had with Ashwin on the YouTube, saying, you know, this game that you played, this particular Sydney test that you played, will enhance your confidence in your defence, and you'll go on to do bigger things with your batting. I mean, surprisingly, the bigger thing didn't come with with the defensive part of it, but more with the aggressive sort of. Uh, Strokes, but I'm surprised how someone like Ashwin, who's not even a frontline batsman, could you know implement the sweep so quickly—a shot that he's not played, as he mentioned, for more than 15 years or or nearly 15 years—and and still execute that so well. So that I think that he had a great test, and and uh, I mean he mentioned that slightly funnily that people are not even wearing a mask. I mean that's a serious concern. But beyond that, I think he. I don't think any other Tamil Nadu cricketer deserved this kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, reception and uh, and warmth from the crowd. And I'm glad he got that. And it's been a terrible time for everybody at home. I mean, everywhere, all over the world. Um, so to have this kind of a test at home for him and for the people who who love him, I think it was a great test. I, I personally missed out on being there. I mean, I can't afford to do a 14-day quarantine even for this test. Uh, even though, like, even if somebody told me that Rohit Sharma would score a 160 and, and Ashwin would go on to uh, score 100 and take uh, eight wickets, I don't think I would have made it. But uh, but it's probably the closest I would have come to do a 14-day quarantine for a test match. Yeah, and in terms of his bowling, I was uh, just doing like a rough search. Before, I mean, just before this test, because uh, he had, this was like 75 tests. I was just looking at like a, you know, a bit of a cut off where all the rest the many other bowlers were and you know he is like now nearing 300 wickets i mean he was on 386 before this uh, before this one and uh, you know he's like bettering like hadley vaughn uh, definitely better better than kapil i mean quicker than kapil in terms of the effectiveness and uh, you know only murli as far as i saw had taken more wickets at that comparable stage so this is like really, really rarefied territory that he has been even... there. He's been there for a while now. Uh, just that, uh, I mean, he, till 350, he was the fastest. No, not 300, he was the fastest. 350, I think Murli and him do it on the same number of tests. 
after that murli you know goes mental for the last 450 wickets i don't think it is humanly possible to even after that uh, stage it's it's impossible to catch up with him uh, so so yeah and if you see the strike rate right like uh, of a bowler i think of all spinners uh, who have gotten around 50 to 100 wickets uh, or or 200 wickets uh, i think ashwin is the quickest ever so i mean uh, in the sense that he strikes far more often than any other spinner in history for 200 wickets being the filter 100 wickets being the filter i think some three people in 1800s do better than him but uh, yeah for all intents and purposes he's the strikiest of spin bowlers and that to over 400 or 390 wickets is a insane statistic actually yeah it is but think about it this way right even there if he had got out early and you know india's lead had been like 300 instead of 480 uh and ashwin had taken 11 wickets there is no way they would have made him player of the match you know if he had taken 11 wickets when india had won by like 150 runs instead of 300 runs you know so it's like even if he's the greatest wicket take contemporary wicket taker in the game you know even is in all of test history only murli the run uh has been more prolific than he has and that's true uh at at the comparable stages of their careers uh even then in in cricket is always you know batsmen do like routine things and they get like player of the match and bowlers have to take like you know 15 wickets to be considered you know it's like uh, you know they they tell all lies also in non commentary you know they say well a century is the same as a five wicket haul a ball it's not the same as a five wicket haul nobody gives the player of the match for five wicket haul no test match so let's say 33 runs for a wicket which means uh, three wickets is like a century <laughs> so a uh, century five wicket haul is more in the range of 140 150 and our man has like uh, what 29 150s in 76 test matches like if he was this was comp- i mean this can't be translated because uh, all, not all wickets are equal uh, in context but if it was roughly translated as a batting stat that guy has 29 centuries in 29 150s not even centuries uh, add another 18 four wicket haul that is also a century so like 47 centuries in 76 test matches that is that is i mean better than bradman i think so so yeah of course it's better i mean it's come on the the by the basic structure of the way test cricket works you know having a bowler a prolific bowler like ashwin like who is taking five five over five wickets a test match is like equivalent to having like two tendulkars you know having two two or three players of that class in the batting side you know because as you saw in this test match you know the bowlers decide what the batsmen are allowed to do you know and england's bowlers allowed indian batsmen off the hook they allowed them to score a lot of runs and ashwin didn't you know ashwin went at 1.8 runs per over in the first innings and two runs per over, uh, just cl- uh, under three runs per over in the second innings or if i yeah, if i remember correctly right that's moin went at four and a half in the first innings that that is an amazing so that that's a illustration of amazing control you know and that's really hard to do 
you know, is really hard. I mean, in the first test match, Ashwin bowled 70 odd overs and he must have bowled maybe 10 or 12 bad balls in all. You know, that's, that's, that, that's incredible skill. It's really, really hard to do that. And it's very hard to observe and it's very easy to overlook and we overlook it all the time. You know, any great wicket-taking bowler like Mohamed Shami, Ashwin, Jadeja, Bumrah, this attack is worth like, you know, you take every great Indian batsman you can think of and put them together and this attack is worth more than that. You know, because it's going to win you more test matches than any of those guys. And all of those guys put together. Yeah. So, one interesting thing before Ash- I mean, I conclude about Ashwin. So, uh, the other day I was listening to some other podcast where uh, I was listening about this uh, nine-time world champion of uh, Jiu-Jitsu named uh, Marcelo Garcia. And uh, when they, apparently his, his whole thing of, and he's considered widely as the, you know, the greatest grappler of all time. And his whole thing to, to you know, uh, championships and matches is that elimination of mistakes because at that level at pro level the the greatest distinguisher or the definition of what your skill ends up being how much how little you know you slip up what is your how how much of control that you exercise and how few mistakes that you do and with ashwin that is i thought that was a great comparison because sure the guy has skills and he learns new stuff and uh, he implements them on the go, uh, some it's like some kind of an evolving algorithm and all that, but he he gives he makes fewer and fewer mistakes as he plays more and more, and that you know makes it very very hard for the batsman to face him. Even in that Stokes dismissal, when the referral was happening, he suddenly said 2016 Mohali maybe I So I I read that uh, he remembers that, and maybe there was a plan to you know uh, bowl that length. And it's not like he can he can make that result happen, but he's on that probability edge. He's on that range of things happening most times, and that makes him like a fabulous, fabulous bowler. If there is even a sniff of you know assistance for him in the pitch, uh, so that is something that is phenomenal about this guy, and even to an extent about Bumrah. Bumrah also is like that category of great bowler who's like an evolving guy on the move in the spell you can see him improving and narrowing down uh, on the batsman's you know uh, weakness so fantastic uh, skills from both these guys i thought when i was listening to that podcast in fact murli kartik asked him about it right how do you manage to change your action with spell and uh, uh, and he talks about it as a matter of fact in fact uh, you know, even uh, during, uh, was it, I think, during the second test, Murali was trying to make sense of Ashwin's extraordinary record against the left-handers. I mean, the angle, the turn away, and the trajectory, and the drift. And, and you know, like, I thought he was, he was really not doing justice to this. Then I listened to Ashwin talk about it in the press conference. And he's also talking about it as a matter of fact. And Ashwin doesn't, you know, he never really sort of uh, just phones his press conferences and he talks... And in in fair amount of detail, and he treats audiences and the press like like adults, and he explains that. Uh, so I was a little surprised that he didn't offer uh, more insights into why he's so f- effective against left-handers. Uh, in fact, he mentions that even left-arm sort of orthodox spinners have that advantage against right-handers, but it's not quite the same, right? I mean, nobody's had the kind of success that he's had against left-handers. Uh, it, 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 to some extent, you understand why it is the case. 
But beyond that, there's so much going on with that guy's, uh, you know, action and what he does with subtle changes. Like recently, somebody posted a YouTube video of uh, of a Sky interview with him. Not quite a masterclass, but it's just a mini segment where uh, where uh, I think Ian Ward, I think, is trying to uh, get Ashwin to talk about his his variations. So he takes one ball where uh, he tries to push it in and uh, and push uh, Alistair Cook back. And the next ball is that perfect million dollar ball where uh, he he gives it a loop and then the, the, there's the perfect drift and and it pitches and turns away and takes off stem. And Ashwin begins to explain it. And, and a, like, you know, he's trying to focus on more about why the grip matters and why cocking the wrist a particular way matters way more than how the index finger rolls over the, the seam. And that is quite revealing because, uh, you know, a lot of the times when spinners talk, in fact, Murali Karthik was talking about uh, about uh, Moin Ali's change in action. He was going about the first principles, but at the same time, he stopped short of saying he's not following the first principles. He said each spinner finds his own rhythm. And and talking, listening to Ashwin after that makes a lot of sense. And so in, in a lot of ways, we don't understand the intricacies of what he does at all. And, in, and, and it's still a puzzle. I mean, the first principles we understand, but beyond that, in fact, there was a, another in, uh, example that he showed, and he said, uh, "How do you get so much power out of your thumb and and uh, the middle finger when you're bowling the carom ball?" And they were showing a ball, and he says, "It's not even a carom ball." So within that variation, he's distinguishing, you know, one type of carom ball from another one where he's trying to get it to sort of uh, slide away from the left-hander. So there's a lot going on. I mean, he gave a very detailed interview of his bowling action changes that he's worked with uh, Bharatarun to. Karthik, for instance, when he did that long form piece. But beyond that, I don't think we've gotten a lot. And Ashwin is someone who's more than happy to talk about it, right? Like, like for instance, uh, was it Couch? I think he tried to ask Pujara about the way he played spin. But Pujara was very reluctant to open up. But Ashwin is someone who's, who's always willing to open up. Uh, so that's probably the only complaint that I have about Ashwin's YouTube videos is that while they were entertaining and did a really good job for a player, uh, after the kind of series that he's had in Australia and particularly even after that, I think we need him to talk to a, a journalist, a media person so that, you know, they can ask, they, he, so that he can open up. I mean, in his own YouTube channel, he cannot open up, right? He cannot talk about himself. He cannot put himself at the center. Uh, so I, that's probably the only complaint I've had of this whole uh, post-Australia euphoria and the way Ashwin kind of uh, dealt with it. I really hoped he was uh, he would give an interview or or a long sort of, video interview to somebody and then sort of... So you don't want us... a Kutti story, you want a Peria story. Exactly. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> okay. No, you know, I think I think it's... It, all this is... All the all the whole, you know, he has this variation, he has that variation, he has this tactic, he has that tactic. He thinks in this way, he thinks in that way. All that is fine. A lot of bowlers probably have that. You know, every bowler in his head, you know, Sunil Valsan, who you know, also played for Tamil Nadu, left-arm fast bowler, uh, he was selected for the 1983 World Cup. And uh, he wrote, I still remember, he wrote a piece uh, one time in the newspaper. Sometime, I think it was the 2003 World Cup or 1999 World Cup, something like that. And it started with him dreaming about how he's going to get, you know, Gordon Greenwich out with one that seen, uh, pitches on off stump and like, you know, swings back in to hit middle stump. And then how he's going to get Richards out with one that, you know, pitches an off stump and holds its line and, you know, gets an edge to second slip or something. And all of them, every bowler at every level dreams of these things. 
and every bowler dreams of all these variations and things all this but what separates ashwin i think from all other bowlers is that he can actually do exactly what he wants in and what he decides you know he can bowl the ball exactly where he wants to every time that's an incredible thing you know and that's i think what makes a great bowler that's what distinguishes a great bowler from a good bowler you know because i don't think it's a, i i really really don't think it that the difference between a great bowler and good bowler is brains the difference between a great bowler and good bowler is skill you know it's control i don't remember the last time like ashwin bowled a ball and you know it went completely wrong it just does not happen with him you know he hits the he hits the top half of the batsman's bat at will like on any wicket he can hit he can drag the draw the batsman forward and get the ball to hit like near the handle that's an amazing thing you know and it's like it is such a simple thing but it's so hard the you know because you see you know by comparison you see leech right leech is a good bowler leech is a steady bowler but every time ever so often leech tries to turn it a little bit harder and his length becomes fuller and he goes like into a leg stump half volley and like he gives a run into the leg side right that never happens to ashwin you know that is it's just amazing like how how much control ashwin has got you know and yeah fine sometime you know he'll get a little injured and something will be wrong and you know like it happened in southampton where you know maybe he was, they say that he was injured and stuff and you know he doesn't have control of his action and he can't do what he wants and then you can see like you know when the when the system breaks down you can see like how good it is when it's not broken down you know so you can say yeah okay well these wickets are helpful and he's getting he's getting batsmen out but you know moin ali bowled on the same wicket and he bowled a lot of bad balls the other point i wanted to bring in was uh, wicket keeping uh, you know both the keepers in this test and that's one thing about these pitches also right i mean uh, you know wicket keeping is always obviously i i just have to interrupt i'm sorry i have to interrupt sidvi here so sidvi sends us these for the listeners sidvi sends us these talking points before we do this about you know what we are going to talk about and the talking point for ashwin for posterity sake is ashwin dash can he be india's cam green so i just thought <laughs> <this was> the- <laughs> yeah so uh, the talking points uh, often are uh, just sent out before for uh, you know for people to have an idea of what we are talking about but that was also an indication of how like just imagine all right just imagine if uh, a cam green goes for a long stretch uh, you know uh, you know not doing much with the ball and then suddenly gets a match where he takes eight wickets i mean then that will be like cam green will be like <laughs> i mean there won't be an end to talking about cam green in australia right so uh, that was just a a bit of a take on that thank, with ashwin scoring Thank God, Kyle Jamieson is not an Australian, or we'll never hear hear the end of it. He's like on no, God mode right now. No, I noticed this actually. I I call this the Keith Miller syndrome. Actually, I think I think the Australians are so desperate for an all rounder in every era. Like this happened to Shane Watson, and now it is happening to Cam Green. And you know, every time you, you a left guy out, comes, uh, in, you left out Mitchell Marsh in the middle. <laughs> of course, Blue it, Mitchell Marsh. Blue it. You remember Blue it? Blue it was a bowler. He could yeah, bowl. Yeah. I know, but. 
Was he an all-rounder? Glorious Sachin straight drive. They wanted him to be. They wanted him to be. Yeah, and it's almost like every time a guy comes along who can bat and bowl, that's it. I mean, his whole... The hype and the pressure around him is insane, man. It's like... It's like India, like India used to wait for the next Kapil Dev and any guy who could bowl more than 135 used to be like, okay, the next great thing that since whatever. Yeah, so uh, now I think we can finally move on to wicket keeping. And uh, the point I was trying to make is how on these kind of pitches, uh, you know, wicket keeping becomes that much more amplified. And normally uh, a wicket keeper is, uh, it's, is meant to be the inconspicuous presence behind the stumps and the more inconspicuous you are the better the wicket keeper you are but uh, you know it it uh, i actually like how wicket keeping becomes a bit, bit of a spectacle on uh, these uh, pitches and uh, both the keepers i thought had terrific games and uh, it was uh, i mean uh, it was also interesting to read some of the analysis you know kiran more posted a very interesting bit about how ben folks was uh, keeping to um, moin ali as well as uh, uh, Jack Leach and how, you know, for the spinner who was turning it away from the right-hander, Fox's right leg was sort of uh, uh, angling away so that he's ready to take that ball. And for the off-spinner, how his left leg was actually angling away. And uh, those sort of minor things were also interesting to uh, look out for. You know, I mean, this is also an exchange of the pitches, right? I mean, one is, like like Sidney mentioned, one aspect of the keeper is that he doesn't draw attention to himself. That's on a normal wicket. But in a wicket like this, it's where he also is made to look spectacular. And, and purely for that reason, you need these wickets, if not for any other reason, because you need to. I mean, this distinguishes the, the skills so beautifully. And, and Ben Fox, even like, I mean, even before he did all the spectacular things, uh, Deepdas Gutta was on commentary and, and he kept on talking about his technique and how he's always, you know, his hands are always staying low. Even when he gets up, you know, the hands follow quite late. And it looks a little unconventional. Sometimes he like like uh, he, he he turns around. He anticipates a lot. He moves around quite a lot. But but the hands. Uh, he doesn't do a full squat. I de- he doesn't go down all the way. Was uh, I think deep that's Gupta's point. Yeah, like that, he, that's what he was explaining. But the hands are low, even though he doesn't squat fully. But the hands uh, remain low. But the transformation in punts is quite amazing. Right? So is it a one-off? I don't know. It's not just the stumpings. The the some of the takes that he was taking on the last day were were super 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 impressive. And that's something that people have always said, right? We've also discussed this in the past that, that um, I mean, he's a work in progress and people get confidence as they go along. I mean, Dhoni didn't start out as, as good a keeper as he ended up, uh, ended up to be. Even someone like BJ Watling did not start out to be a good keeper, but went on to become a very, very handy keeper. So in that sense, I think Pant, ne- Pant needed his time settling in, but I was super impressed with, uh, with his match behind the stumps. I don't know. I think Ben Folks was basically the only decent thing English commentators could think of talking about. So they talked about it incessantly. They asked everybody under the sun what they thought of Ben Ben Folks is keeping. Uh, And uh, yeah, he was was a good keeper. I think if you had had Saha behind the stumps in this wicket against Bowler keeping to Ashwin and Akshar Patel and Kuldeep Yadav, you would not even have noticed him. Because he's, he's just a class keeper. uh, Actually, if England were playing well in this test match and if England had, for example, won this test match, you probably wouldn't have heard so much about Ben Fox either, even though he would have been equally good. 
you know, I mean, yeah, there are good keepers, and but both folks and Saha are eventually going to fall victim to the whole balance problem, you know, because England are going to play the better batsmen uh, wherever they can get away with, and India are going to play Pant because basically Pant is a genius, and it's the same thing that happened to Dinesh Karthik is going to happen to. uh other terrific indian keepers because you know they are competing with essentially a generational you know an out of this world talent you know the, the previous generation they were doing it with dhoni and now they're doing it with pant i i think uh, folks is actually quite competent man i mean uh, the difference between folks and uh, butler who's averaging around 30 in tests of, for an extended period of time is not that great a gap than say saha and uh, pant pant can actually you know pant is actually a superior batsman than saha uh, but folks has a chance i think uh, and i i am kind of partial to folks even though i am not like a butler hater or whatever but i am kind of partial to folks and i've been since i watched that century it was fantastic innings in in sri lanka the point about saha right that's another reason like in an, i don't think if you take the indian team out and when i say indian team in this indian team at home because they're so strong they can afford to not mess with the balance and you know in fact saha had a fairly good stretch of uh, tests where he was preferred over pant which i don't think any other team can afford to do that at the moment so and and the fact that i think kartik's point is very valid that you know had saha been selected for this we wouldn't have even noticed that's how good he is Uh, and again the reason why saha is special why we talk so highly of him is also because the difference in skill between him and the next best keeper comes out very clearly on these wickets so i mean to to actually have a problem with these wickets you got to be a, a really ridiculous fan of test cricket i mean you got to have a very very narrow prism of what test cricket is and if that is an narrow prism that you're supporting i mean really you just congratulating yourself for being a test cricket fan rather than being a fan actually yes so uh, let's uh, i mean we've covered most of it but i wanted to definitely talk about uh, that uh, kohli innings uh, you know we spoke about uh, mistakes and eliminating mistakes and things i mean kohli has almost taken it to a new level man i mean what was that i mean forget that there was also that innings in the first test in chennai with the final yeah. innings yeah uh, before he got that ball Three innings now. I think. Uh, I think it's seventy in Australia, seventy here in first test, and sixty here. I think this was like the control that he had over the innings and until it ended. I mean, he doesn't have like big scores to quantify that, but he was like, I mean, he was in another plane altogether. I thought he was. He was batting with such assuredness, and uh, he was. Uh, I mean, it was fantastic to watch actually. and and i mean the law of averages caught up with him but uh, uh, because he if he had uh, scored 3 200s or 3 150s uh, i mean everything everyone would be talking about it but uh, these 70s that he made these three innings is that it was like all three were like brilliant uh, of course uh, talking about 62 uh, Navjot Sidhu made a 62 in 1998, which began the Shane Warne. I mean, which didn't begin. I mean, Amit Pagnes probably began that, but which sort of started the whole Shane Warne nightmare year. So 
just thought I'll throw and, in and, that 62 I mean, in there. In battle of 62, I'm firmly on Sidhu's side, as good as this Kohli in England. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sidhu, for, Sidhu for life. <laughs> Sidhu for life, yeah. Particularly that 62. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it was a great innings in terms of uh, in terms of playing in a very tough condition. But again, uh, like like Katie mentions, I don't think the bowling was great. Uh, plus, the situation was like, I mean, India had, what, nearly a 200-run lead. And that kind of liberates you to some extent. And Kohli being Kohli, I mean, you can't underestimate the guy. He's, uh, I mean, the, the 70 that he scored in Adelaide, the 70 that he scored last time. In fact, even, I mean, uh, when, when we were talking about it during the course of the innings, the innings that reminded me of the most is the 41 that he scored in Joburg. I mean, that was an exceptional innings. That was one of those great sort of mini epics that um, that we've seen in cricket. And particularly, I think in terms of my favorite Kohli innings, it would probably be that. And the ball was bouncing up and down, was jagging off the pitch. He was in so much control in that innings. You know, like the like Shastri's favorite term, he was seeing a ball like a football. It was it was literally coming coming to life. So, in that sense, I think that is my favorite mini epic. This was nearly, uh, this was very skillful innings, but well within the realms of what we've seen from Kohli so far. Uh, the wicket was was challenging, but again, the bowling was not particularly great. I mean, the second innings was, was a little better, but it was still not exceptional. So, I mean, I, I, I liked watching it, but, uh, but the kind of hype it got subsequently, I was like, okay, let me take a step back and say, okay, this is, this is very much in the realm of possibilities for, uh, I mean, everyday thing for Kohli. Main question about Kohli in this is, is he WG Grace or not? That's the only yeah. thing we yeah. are supposed to talk about. I was actually hoping that he would take a review on that board. Paris <laughs> would have been like like the, the the icing on that cake. That would have been like fantastic uh, drama. He, no, he almost was. He was like, "What the hell happened, man? Hey, I think the wicketkeeper knocked the bales off. What the hell is this?" See, I will I will uh, turn this around. Actually, you know, twenty years later, there will be people saying Kohli was so great. He knew that the ball. There was no way that that ball could hit the stumps. That's how much. He had read the ball. But, uh, you know, it just happened that the pitch just uh, was so bad that it didn't bounce as much as he expected. Let me just say, that 20 years later, if people listen to this podcast, they should think that I think Kohli should basically do everything he can to aggravate the English press because it's extremely entertaining and they're very easily aggravated. And he should just keep doing it, you know. Like... He talks to the umpire, they say, oh, that's not on. Joe Root talks to the umpire, they say, oh, he's just being very nice and smiley and talking to the umpire. <laughs> but he got, he got damn pissed, dude. Kohli, I was like laughing. <laughs> he was arguing with the umpire about that Root LBW. It was he so was funny. not pissed. He's a captain. He is a, under DRS now, that is all allowed. They have legitimized dissent in DRS. You cannot both want DRS and then like say, well... You know, now we should, the, the players that we don't like should be, you know, held to standards which are from 20 years ago. That's not on. The D in DRS is dissent, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but yeah, talking about that though, uh, Karthikeya, you should bring you in though. Uh, you have uh, been posting quite a bit on the umpiring this match and especially about, uh, you know, the... Did he play a shot or did he not play a shot when he, uh, when uh, Rohit, right? When he put the bat behind the pad. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, but uh, just if you can sort of too much, I mean, I, I guess your view is all, all, will always be too much ado about the umpiring. 
but was there any particular sort of uh, talking point that made it interesting for me personally it was the rahane uh, dismissal you know because and we discussed it as well uh, kartike and i spoke about it on um, in message and the fact that uh, it the third umpire didn't roll on to the footage to see whether he had uh, gloved the ball uh seemed a little odd but at the same time when the, the match referee handed back england the review uh, it was almost like he was saying there was a issue with the technology yeah that that is a that is i mean we don't really know why what the match referee's reasoning there is you know so i mean one one i it i mean so there are two possibilities right one is that you know the the rest of the replay was not available for some reason that's one possibility the other is that it did not occur to the third umpire to like follow the replay through all the way to the end until the ball is caught right that's what they usually do right so i mean it, i mean in a sense there was a there was a, a general sense in all the reviews that the match that the tv umpire was conscious that he should not waste too much time on the review and just the minute he thinks he can give a decision he should give it you know that, so there was a little may have been a little bit of haste i don't know you know but so shri the referee shrinath he can restore a review if the machinery if there's a breakdown in the machinery but he can't restore a review because the umpire has made a mistake at least let, let let me actually rephrase that the rules are silent on that question the rules don't say that he can or he can't what he's what he can or can't do if the umpire makes a mistake the rules do not as a rule say you know to what extent the referee can overrule umpires because that's not the relationship between the referee and the umpires the referee is not there to scrutinize the umpires right the referee is there to scrutinize the players uh, you know so the rules are silent so i don't know whether you can say that you know there is some overarching discretion which the referee has which he used is possible you know my my basic attitude to umpiring is you have to ask the question when it is a question of interpretation you have to ask the question is the umpire's interpretation reasonable because you know what the umpire's interpretation is you know the umpire decided that he is played a shot now you may disagree but that's not the point right the point is whether the umpire is right or not the umpire is, there is a reasonable case for the umpire's view and you know in the with the kohli pad with the what's his name rohit sharma padding up and with the marginal lbw which went against kohli when he was batting and with the marginal lbw which went for root when he was batting uh, on the third day there was so that's the end of the matter i mean there's not controversy i mean okay you're right that basically the in the rahane situation the umpire clearly made a mistake i mean that is a clear oversight but that's one mistake in a test match is going to happen you know you can't you, i mean these are very good umpires i mean actually one of the things i noticed in these two test matches is how good the umpires are and i will say that actually for the whole this whole covid period where they had to go, go with home umpires and home referees and you know they increase the number of reviews uh, to compensate for that and no team has come anywhere close to the using up the three reviews right so the umpiring even though it's the home umpires has been fantastic everywhere not just in india in england in australia and new zealand it's been terrific 
in bangladesh in pakistan in bangladesh yeah although i think in bangladesh recently i think ilingwat was there for some reason i don't know why i think one, a small thing happened i think this was pakistan and uh, south, uh, africa. south africa recently where i think they went for an appeal and the umpire said that uh, in that particular end of the wicket uh, the snicko was not working for a short while or uh, or maybe the dr system was not working for a short while uh, so there was some conversation and they moved on but but uh, i'm just saying this to make a point that uh, with technology also come technical faults so yeah <laughs> because to... it's uh, you are relying on the whoever providing the broadcast no is for that uh, for the machinery yeah i mean i'm i'm surprised uh, i mean and i think it's high time that uh, you know uh, news organizations and cricket especially cricket specific organizations start having a umpiring correspondent man i mean every day of uh, cricket there is so much of talking point around umpiring why not have a guy who is just looking at who is just covering umpiring i mean kd that could be your dream job but other than that yeah that would be but actually you know the alternative service in australia uh, i think seven seven cricket it's called they are the one station which actually they hire a umpire as part of their broadcasting crew you know so i think uh, i think tawful was giving like capsule reviews of like questions which are rose during the game that was very nice i thought no. all right so uh, i think uh, we have uh, covered quite a lot uh, from this uh, test i mean this was supposed to be a mid series review but we didn't touch too much on the first test but uh, we got a bit out there but we did cover quite a lot of the second test any parting thoughts no i'm looking forward to this next test match uh, so far the only thing of note that has happened at that monstrous new stadium is that donald trump has come there and butchered sachin tendulkar's name so now some proper cricket will at least happen although you know i reading about the wicket over there nobody knows what that wicket is going to be like so if these people are so upset at this wick- this wicket that wicket is like fresh it's like no almost no matches have been played on it there are some motera tests which are like absolutely dire you know there was remember that one sri lanka test match in i think 2007 or something when india made like uh, 500 and then sri lanka made 750 and jayawardene made like 270 or something like that and then india made 400 again like you could have that kind of thing which would be really really boring i mean especially you know james anderson is 38 years old you know <laughs> no then that makes it very hopeful man for me <laughs> give him like some ja- rest james anderson <laughs> is like the mu karunanadi of cricket guy never ever goes away <laughs> what is this I mean, he's been playing since i was 18 man fucking i am now halfway to death now what tragedy, the hell retire the the tragedy or that brilliant observation is that the english will not understand it <laughs> all right so i i mean i i would uh, much rather it be a two day test with uh, the pink ball just going haywire and people like uh, you know people losing their i mean of course again the people may lose their um, heads in the opposite direction then saying uh, again another another pitch not ideal for test cricket and all that but yeah maybe even a half day test with like 40 wickets falling but please no more than two wickets for anderson i can't stand it i cannot take it i will resign so, and go back to ipl only for the rest of my career if this this guy has gotten 611 wickets man how much more does he want please 
see let's put it this way anderson is the tom brady of cricket so he will just keep he will just keep playing tom and tom brady will keep winning super bowls he anderson will keep winning uh, keep uh, winning test for england so on that note uh, we, let us let me put an end to this podcast and uh, we will hopefully uh, reconvene sometime um, in the next few weeks either after the next test or after the uh, definitely after the series but uh, let's see if we can um, even do one after the next test if you enjoy the work we do please support us via coffee.com that's k o hyphen f i dot com slash 81 all out you can find the link in the show notes and it will allow you to either set up a recurring monthly payment or throw in a one time contribution also please subscribe on itunes spotify google podcasts or wherever else you prefer it would be great if you could leave a rating and a review so that more people can find us as always we would love to hear your thoughts on the work we do so please send us your feedback <laughs>